Santaphobia is real. Santa can freak some kids out. How do you help your child who's afraid Santa will bring COVID into the house? And how do you help the child who doesn't want to hear anything at all about Santa? And how can the Santa story creep into toxic territory when used as a threatening or shaming tool? Do you do that? What's a healthy way to talk about Santa? We'll answer that question in this week's episode of Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, the show for real talk about worry and other big feelings in parenting. Hi, I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author. I've been a therapist for 30 years. You're here because your family has some anxiety issues or you want to prevent them. I'm your co-host and Lynn's sister-in-law, Robin, and I'm here to ask your questions. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'll help you find your way. So Lynn, we've gotten a lot of questions about Santa, and I didn't realize that Santaphobia is a real thing. Yeah. Santa baby. Wah! Right? I mean, people, <laughs> <laughs> people, it's hard. And, and you'll see as you listen to these questions as we go through them, it is kind of an overwhelming thing for kids in a lot of ways. And so it's important for us to remember that we try and make it this wonderful, exciting surprise, but truly not every child experiences that way. I have the first question here. All right, I'm ready. My 10-year-old still believes in Santa, but recently asked if Santa was still going to come into our house to deliver presents during the pandemic. My son is afraid of Santa bringing the virus into our house. He did not buy my initial response that Santa was magic and wouldn't be a carrier. Thoughts on how to spin this so as we approach the holidays, my son will feel comfortable with our usual traditions? Okay, so... Here's the thing, 10-year-olds, oftentimes like 8, 9, 10, 11, they're sort of in this in-between place where they know, right, and I'm making finger quotes, they know that Santa doesn't exist, but they really aren't ready to let it go yet. So they're sort of going to play along with the game because 10-year-olds, they're no longer in that place of magical thinking that little kids are in that we can throw anything at them and they'll believe it. So I'm guessing, mom, that he probably is in that in-between place. It would be surprising if he wasn't. And this is not an unusual thing. I had a little kinder kindergartner ask me the other day um, if she thought that Santa was going to wear a mask when he came to see all the houses. And I said, I think that he's magic. And so he is he doesn't get COVID. So I use the same strategy that you used. I asked her if, if she thought that the reindeers also would have that magic. And she thought that was the stupidest thing ever, that reindeers would be immune to COVID. I don't know how she made that distinction, but it was cute as she's cute as a button. I don't know if, you're, if your child is a worrier, if he's been really worried about COVID, if this has been something that he's been talking about a lot in terms of his worry about COVID. But I think you just have to very matter-of-factly say, if, if you want to continue the Believe in Santa tradition for a few more years, and that's totally fine, to say, look, this is the deal. You're picking and choosing what you're going to believe or not believe about Santa's magic. I have read, and Dr. Fauci has said, that Santa is immune to the COVID, right? I saw it. Dr. Fauci made an announcement. And so I think if you're worrying about that now, you know, I think, I think we just got to go with that. And then just very matter-of-factly move on from it. If he won't let it go, and if this is something he's worrying about, then he's, I would suspect that this isn't just the only place where he worries about things, and he's seeking a lot of reassurance. The episode that we just did a few weeks ago on the difference between internal and external reassurance, if you haven't listened to that, I would go back and listen to it again, because that might help you have some tips on how to break this pattern. 
Yeah, this one's tough because if this weren't about Santa and it was about other fears about the pandemic, which, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, everyone's handling those in different ways at their Mm -hmm. own age level. It's hard to combine Santa and science. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the interesting thing. Like, it, you know, <laughs> like, well, you're, you're, you don't believe that he's immune to the virus, but you believe that he flies a sled with reindeers and he goes, you know, it's just this funny thing of sort of this, this little guy is picking and choosing what he's going to believe and what he's not going to believe based on his worry. You're exactly right that I'm taking a little bit of a different approach to this because you want to preserve his magical thinking, but his rational thinking is inserting itself in its magical thinking, which is why kids stop believing in Santa Claus is that rational thought becomes becomes more powerful than magical thinking. And so you've got this conflict going on inside of him, which I think is, you know, probably that that's why I'm saying is that he probably sort of knows that Santa isn't real, but not ready to let that go yet. I think you just have to say, look, Dr. Fauci said that Santa is immune. He's got magical powers. And that's that's what we're going with. And then if he keeps asking and asking about it, Right. I would just say, look, this is what we know. You teased me in the gratitude episode about my need for the rational and the logical. Yeah. So here's another way to take this. Your 10-year-old may be really afraid of the virus because it is so abstract. And the transmission facts about it are not things within his grasp. And he is attaching his fear of the virus onto the Santa story. Mm -hmm. So one of the opportunities could be Find an article that talks about duration of exposure, transmission, and masks in a way that you think, and separate from the Santa, make him understand that the virus doesn't have magical powers Mm -hmm. and that there are known ways of how it's transmitted. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that's playing into content or is that? No, I mean, that's why this is a tricky one. I just think he's really in this in-between place because I told you when you're talking with this kindergartner. And I was like, yeah, I don't think Santa's going to wear a mask because he's immune to it. And she was like, oh, okay. And then I say, well, what about the reindeers? She's like, no, not the reindeers. I mean, it makes no sense, right? So he's trying to put this rational stuff onto a magical thing. We don't have a whole picture here. I just wonder if this little boy has been worrying a lot about the pandemic and the virus and needs more information about the science of it. And like you say, he's just attaching it to the Santa thing. If, you know, the messages have been catastrophic if the messages have been like, nobody can come in our house because they'll they'll bring the pandemic into our house. Well, then he's attaching it to Santa. And maybe you need to do a little bit of work of helping him assess reasonable risk, as I say. And like you say, learning about the pandemic. I think if he were six, it wouldn't be so tricky. The reason this feels tricky is because he's 10. He's got a foot in both camps. Yeah, but I would be pretty matter of fact about it. I wouldn't buy into it. I wouldn't have a whole lot of discussion about it. I guess the bottom line is I wouldn't talk about it all that much. I would just say, well, look, Santa's magic and we believe in his magic. And so he's going to not have the virus. That's what Dr. Fauci said. And I think that Santa has the ability to deliver all these presents and bring love and joy and excitement on Christmas morning. And he's going to use his magic not to bring the pandemic in because that's so anti-Santa. And then I would leave it at that. But do you think that it might be worthwhile for the parent to check in? How is the family talking about the virus? I mean, I think this is kind of relevant for all households, right? How, How is the virus talked about? What is the understanding? What do kids understand with it? How comfortable are they with knowing what risks are and continue to figure out how to make their own choices to move about in the world? It could be that the virus talk hasn't really worked yet for him. 
Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like, I think that they need to pay attention to how they've been talking about the pandemic. You know, that's what I mean about helping him assess reasonable risk. If the parents have been catastrophic about it, if they haven't really talked about it, if it's not really a rational science-based discussion about the risks with the virus and what we do and what we don't need to do, then that would be a worthy conversation. Yeah, I think you're right. It's hard to it's hard to know, but it could be, you know, just to say it very bluntly, if the parents have scared the bejesus out of this kid about the virus, then it's no surprise that some guy coming down the chimney might have the virus and that's going to make him feel afraid. Lynn, it's nearly the end of 2020. Are you glad? Well, yeah, of course. I'm ready for a change. But, you know, the impact of 2020 will still be with us. You mean on our mental health? Yeah, right. I mean, we want to kick 2020 to the curb, but we have to do the work first. There's got to be some personal reflection on the anxious habits and patterns that showed up for us and maybe got way worse. Yeah. Well, you're the one to lead us out of this. I'm excited for my course in January. This workshop will take an audit of the way anxiety showed up in your life this year and then how to disrupt it in 2021. Do you think this is just for adults? Well, we'll do more later for kids and teens too, but I I see a real need to help the parents first after the year we've all had. I want to help them feel bolstered for the new year. Sounds like something we all need. Mm -hmm. When we're grounded, we can be more helpful for our family. If you want to reset, sign up for our newsletter at flusterclucks.com to get all the details first. How are those New Year's resolutions going? Well, many are destined to fail. But lucky for you, here's one easy resolution idea that we gave you that we can all make and it will make your life easier. It'll be kinder to our planet and it will transform the way you do laundry in 2024. And that is switching to EarthBreeze. EarthBreeze looks like dryer sheets, but it's ultra-concentrated laundry detergent and it couldn't be easier. You just throw a sheet in with your laundry in any temperature and you watch it dissolve in any wash cycle hot or cold. There's no measuring, there's no mess, there's no fuss, there's no wasteful plastic jug. EarthBreeze fights everyday stains and odors, giving you an amazing clean every time. The best part is you'll never run out again thanks to EarthBreeze flexible subscription that you can adjust, pause, or cancel at any time with no hidden fees or penalties. And you'll save a whopping 40% when you subscribe. Shipping's always free and it comes in a slim cardboard envelope that saves a ton of space. So switching to EarthBreeze won't only make laundry day easier for you, but it will also be easier on the planet. So help me make plastic jugs a thing of the past. And if EarthBreeze doesn't end up being the 2024 update of your dreams, you don't even have to return it. Just let them know it's not for you and you'll get a full refund, no questions asked. Get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash flusterclucks. That's earthbreeze.com slash flusterclucks for 40% off your subscription. Hey, so the other day I had to change my car insurance. And guess what? I bought new car insurance and they sent me a check, right? So that you could buy something and get money back at the same time doesn't happen very often. And it's pretty darn fun. That's why you got to check out Ibotta. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop. On hundreds of items, from groceries to beauty supplies to toys, you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. So the average Ibotta user earns $256 a year. That's actually more than I got back on my car insurance, I'll tell you. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Other apps give you points that don't amount to too much. With Ibotta, just add your offers in the app 
upload your receipt and you get real cash that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. So join the 50 million users, earn cash back every time you shop. Over 2,700 brands, everybody. Retailers, including Lowe's, Sephora, Best Buy. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code FLUSTER when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use the code FLUSTER. That's I-B-O-T-T-A and use the code FLUSTER. Okay, I have another listener question for you. Okay. My almost four-year-old is terrified of Santa. Last year, we agreed that Santa would leave his presence on the porch rather than coming inside, and that seemed to solve the problem. This year, it's more amplified. He is anxious around pictures of Santa, doesn't want to hear talk of him, and of course, the question everyone asks him is, what do you want Santa to bring you this year? In our house, we don't talk about him, and I've even considered telling him Santa isn't real to ease his mind. But he's so little. How do you handle an anxious child when the world is obsessed with Santa? All right. First thing is that this is not an unusual thing that I hear. So when, Robin, when you brought up this listener question, I thought, okay, so here's that question again. Because it is really scary for kids. In a lot of ways, the tooth fairy freaks kids out. You know, there's a lot of kids that get really afraid of Halloween. Oh my gosh, Elf on a Shelf has probably caused an enormous amount of anxiety in people's houses around the holidays. Santa, the whole idea, right? So so we put all these traditions together. We put all this magical thinking together. And then when you step back and look at what we're telling kids is going to happen, it can freak them out. And, and particularly if they tend to be worriers. And remember, worriers have great imaginations. That's one of the sort of superpowers gone awry with kids who worry a lot. So he's imagining this big, strange man coming into your house and walking around. I remember when I was little, when I would go to bed on Christmas Eve, I didn't want to go to the bathroom if I woke up and had to go to the bathroom because I would be able to see down the stairs and I was afraid to see Santa. The other thing we do with Santa is because we don't want kids to come down and like see us putting the Christmas, the presents under the tree, et cetera, is that we do talk about like you're not supposed to see Santa and we make Santa into this sort of big mythical thing. So it's not surprising at all that a little worried four-year-old would feel overwhelmed by this. So it's hard because the whole culture is obsessed by this. It's hard because we want kids to enjoy it and we want them to feel excited about it. There's a few things you can do. One is you can talk to him and ask him what parts of Santa make you feel scared. And one of the things that I do with kids a lot when they're not able to answer questions themselves is I do what's called sort of the universal kid thing. So if I were sitting in front of him, I would say, you know what? There are so many kids that get a little freaked out by Santa. And there are some kids who get really freaked out by Santa. There's a lot of kids that feel that way. What is it about Santa do you think that freaks you out? And if he says, I don't know, don't say it, don't say it. I might say, you know, I was talking to this other four-year-old and it was really confusing for him. 
because everybody was asking him what Santa was going to bring. And there were specials on TV and there were pictures everywhere. And so he knew that he was supposed to feel excited about Santa, but also it seemed kind of big and scary to him. And I would say if there are other things that worry him too, like, you know, some kids feel that way about the tooth fairy, that it seems kind of strange that this little fairy comes in and puts money under your pillow. And you know how some kids don't like Halloween because the costumes seem a little scary and some people have fun costumes and some people have scary costumes. So it sounds like Santa, right, is a little tricky, isn't he? Because we're supposed to be excited about it, but he's also can be kind of big. And see if you can get him to just begin to talk about it a little bit. Because he's four, I understand your hesitancy in saying like, all right, look, I got to tell you the truth. This whole thing is just a made up thing that we do. So don't worry, Santa's not coming down the chimney. It's actually dad and I or mom and I are wrapping the gifts and putting them under the tree. So, you know, and I get that you don't want to do that because he's four and you don't want to you feel like you might be ruining something for him. So see what you can do this year. And maybe what uh, another thing you can do, if we're going to keep this magical thinking alive, is that you and he write a letter to Santa, talking to Santa about what makes him scary and asking Santa if he could do certain things or asking Santa about him and then have a letter come back from Santa that says, hello, Samuel, I'm so happy that you wrote me a letter. Other kids write me letters too. And a lot of kids feel this way. So just so you know, and then, you know, sort of go through and and maybe relieve some of his anxieties. And some of you may be thinking, well, you know, Lynn says don't give reassurance. And Lynn says don't play this game. Look, he's four years old and it's Santa Claus. It's just confusing to his little brain. So see if you can work through it like that. One of the things I wouldn't do is I wouldn't be really careful about saying Santa or talking about Santa or making sure that other people around him don't mention him or anything like that, because that does sort of enable this thing. You're making it bigger than it is if you're playing worries game by saying you can't even say it. It's another example of that might be I had a child that was really afraid of spiders and nobody was allowed to say spider in her presence. You know, everybody would say like, don't say spider in front of her. And that just sort of adds to the intensity of it and adds to the idea that spiders are are so big and scary that we can't even say their name. Being able to talk about it and being able to, to help him put words to what he's feeling and maybe playing that little game of writing a letter, that may be a way to help work through this. And I am not saying that if you do all this, he's going to be like, you know what? You're right. Santa's an awesome guy. I can't wait until he comes in the house. But it will be. And again, remember, I like process, not content. This Santa thing is just some content that you can practice with him, being able to talk about what's making him feel uncomfortable, putting words to his feelings and maybe figuring out some ways in which he can address his fears or move toward his fear rather than the complete avoidance. Of course, I was waiting for you to say this. Don't promote elimination, right? Because you're always saying, don't try and eliminate what makes us worry. So you are consistent with that. But the reassurance piece, that also makes sense to me to do the letter because if there was an adult who did make a child feel uncomfortable, I would think we would We would want to model, it is okay to say why you're uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and to address your parent with that information, right? You're also modeling something healthy about that. If there was another adult in that child's life that made them feel afraid, you would want 
them to know that they could come to you and tell you why. Exactly. And it's sort of like when they say, you know, well, you have to kiss Uncle Joe or even you have to go and sit on Santa's lap, right? We don't want to force kids to do things that with other adults that make them feel uncomfortable and that we negate their ability to talk about that. So it's really helping him put language to it. You know, he's obviously, he's not going to believe in Santa Claus forever, but what this does give an opportunity, gives this mom an opportunity to do is to, to work on that emotional literacy, to help him talk about it, and to introduce the idea that we're not going to do the blanket elimination, we're not going to do the blanket avoidance. Since we have gotten some questions about Santa Mm-hmm. And Santa's impact on anxious kids and mm-hmm. this Santa phobia, you know, as we called it. I was just imagining if Jack Nicholson's character from The Shining simply sang the lyrics to Santa Claus is Coming to Town. That's some creepy stuff. It is creepy. The whole thing is creepy. When you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. It's a strange tradition around it if you unpack it. Well, and if you think of a lot of the magical sort of fairy tale things that we tell children and particularly, you know, I mean, look at the history of fairy tales. A lot of it is creepy. And there's this strange sort of like, let's make our kids afraid thing that goes on. So that we can discipline them through fear. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing about Santa. Don't get me started on that, right? Like you have to behave. That's why I don't like the elf on the shelf thing at all, to be honest, is that you have to behave. Somebody's watching you. And if you don't behave, there's going to be a consequence. Okay, so let me just (laughs) let me just say this. You just reminded me of this, Robin. You could get on your Santa soapbox. Here's the thing. Robin says that I say that before I'm going to say something. Here's the thing. Do not ever, ever threaten to take away Christmas. Threaten Santa not coming. This whole idea that he's got a list of kids that are naughty and that he's going to bring coal and put it in your stocking. This is such a long tradition of emotionally scaring and manipulating kids. I'm I'm sure some of you are listening and saying like, oh, Lynn, don't go overboard. No, truly, it's like canceling a kid's birthday party. So this idea that Santa has this power, that he's watching you, and that you're going to use that, and that you're going to threaten to cancel Christmas if they don't do what they're supposed to do, if they don't behave in the way that they're supposed to behave, I just don't have any patience for it. So don't do it. It's like the police song, remember? Every Breath You Take, we all thought that was such a romantic song when we were 13 and 14. Well, it came out when I was 16. Remember? The romantic song about stalking. Yeah, you listened to I listened to it recently. I was like, that is f***ed up. Yes, Sting has said that since. He's always like, when people come up to me and say, oh, that was the first song at my wedding when we danced, he's always like, ooh, sorry. (laughs) Did he write it as a stalking song? Yeah. He wrote it as a very anti-romantic song about... The, the real pathology around obsession and romance. Well, I missed that senior year in high school. You missed pathological obsession and romance? Yes, I did. <laughs> okay, we won't go there. Do you think seeing a therapist or a psychiatrist would be helpful, but you don't have the time to actually find one? And then, like, when do you have time to meet with them? Try Talkspace. By doing everything online, Talkspace has made getting the help you want easy, accessible, and affordable. 
It's in-network with most major insurers. There's no need to commute to appointments. You won't miss time at work or have to line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. Talkspace lets you send messages to your therapist so you don't have to wait for your next session. Therapy can help you shift your perspective and find tools to cope in difficult times. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform with licensed therapists in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, substance abuse, relationship issues, and much more. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $80 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster to get $80 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com slash Fluster. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. So when you're a parent, you're going to have your fair share of big talks with your kids, right? About all sorts of big topics. One of those big talks should involve money. And Greenlight can help with that. Greenlight is a debit card and a money app that's made for families. It allows you to do instant money transfers. You can get real-time notifications of spending. You can manage chores. You can automate allowance. I know with my kids, we really wanted to help them see the cause and effect, right? If you spend money now, you're not going to have it later. If you earn money now and you save it, maybe you can put it towards some big purchase that you're looking forward to. This is called financial literacy, and it allows kids to build independence, to learn how money works, to make them better savers, better spenders. The Greenlight app also comes with an in-app financial literacy game. It's called Level Up, so that kids can build money confidence through videos, bite-sized challenges, mini games, and more. More than 6 million parents and kids use Greenlight to learn how to make responsible financial choices. So stop putting off the money talk and start putting your kids on the right path. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash fluster. That's greenlight.com slash fluster to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash fluster. As you were saying this, it, it made me think like, oh, well, people who are listening to this podcast are probably not the parents who do that, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. If you're a parent who does that, I'm not saying like, oh, you're a terrible parent. It's a part of our culture. It is a part of the folklore of Santa Claus. And if you did, you know, if that, that has been done for generations and generations and generations, and maybe you've just never thought about it that way. Oh my gosh, it's just too much pressure for little kids. There's a lot of Christmas meltdowns because there's just so much going on. We're learning that Santa, for so many people, has been a really fond memory and tradition of Christmas, but it can go wrong. I didn't realize how wrong it could go, but Lynn, you're telling me that this is very, very common. So when parents of young children who are still sort of determining their family holidays and traditions, what are some do's and some don'ts about talking about Santa? Well, let me start with the don'ts. The don'ts are easy. Don't force your child to get close to a Santa when your child doesn't want to. So don't do the forced sit on their lap. We've seen all those pictures and it's sort of like the American Funniest Home Videos conversation we had before, like all those funny pictures of little two-year-olds screaming hysterically sitting on Santa's lap. When I look at that, I don't like, ah, ha, ha, isn't that funny? I feel I feel sad. So don't force your child to get close to Santa. That's a great point. We're so used to that being a punchline 
that I do think that it's really easy to become numb to their suffering. Yeah, because you're taking a child and it's not necessary. So if a child is really scared and crying because they're afraid to go to their pediatrician appointment or they're afraid to go to the dentist for the first time or they're afraid to get their hair cut, that's one thing. But this is supposed to be like a fun holiday thing. And if it's terrifying to your little toddler, don't do it for the sake of a funny picture of your kids screaming. It's along the lines of what we were talking about when Jimmy Kimmel does that thing where he tells the, the parents, tell the kids they, they ate all their Halloween candy. Not funny to me. And I have a really good sense of humor. You do. Yeah, I do. So you don't have to force your kids into that. So that would be a don't. And then as we were saying, don't use Santa as a parenting tool. Don't use Santa as a threat. Don't use Santa as, well, Santa's watching you because A, that's creepy, as we said. And also, it's just not how you want to parent that you're going to behave in this way or we're going to take away this thing that's really important to you. So that's a big don't. Some of the do's are think about how you talk about Santa. And if you have a child who's sort of hesitant about Santa, but you want to include it in your family traditions, then have your child have some communication with Santa or do some role playing with Santa and maybe talk about Santa in a way that doesn't make him seem so powerful. So in other words, I know this sounds kind of silly, but sort of make Santa into kind of a magical, but also kind of a regular guy. But also a magical or regular guy whose relationship with them isn't all about are they labeling themselves naughty or nice. That's where it gets toxic. So just eliminate that part of it. Yeah. And, you know, talk about Santa, you know, like Santa, ha Santa has a wife, Mrs. Claus, and, you know, he... Whatever you want to say, you can make up whatever you want. Maybe maybe if you have a pug, maybe Santa has a pug too. Not a, not a lot of people know that, but you know, last year Santa got a pug and he really likes his pug and so be a little playful with it, but don't make him so omnipotent. I think that's the thing that that creeps kids out. Think if you can about some other figure in your child's life that sort of fits that bill. Is that they're magical and kind of a regular guy? So if they like Harry Potter, right? Harry Potter has all this magic, but or, or Ron Weasley even better, right? Ron has all these this magic, but he's also a regular guy. That it doesn't make it seem invasive and powerful and scary. Make Santa a regular guy and a kind guy, which we try to do, but we always give this little evil thing to Santa, right? He has the ability to come and totally ruin your Christmas. He's got a lot of power. That's what I would do to, to sort of take away the scariness of it. There was this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful piece of writing I read once about this time of the holidays. It was uh, it was actually in a parenting forum I'm a member of. And I don't know who to credit because I don't know who wrote it. She was in a marriage with someone of a different religion. And mm -hmm. the crux of it was there are so many different religions to celebrate or to take issue with of parents delineating, well, this is what we do. And mm -hmm. then that's what you do and and the struggle of it. But the, the essence of it is to remember that it is also aligned historically with the winter solstice. Mm -hmm. And it is the darkest period of the year. Mm -hmm. All of the traditions consistent, regardless of religion, focused on the concept of light mm -hmm. and how we create light and candles and Christmas lights or uh, Hanukkah lights from your menorah. And there are so much about light at this dark time. Mm -hmm. My kids are older now and my son has transitioned out of the Santa years. But what we always say is that maybe Santa's not real, but Christmas is still magical. Right. 
or whatever December holiday you celebrate is still magical because Mm -hmm. there is this really special time that everyone collectively wants to create light in our darkest time. And I think that that's such a great theme that would really work for everyone of how do we create the most light in our darkness right now? And it feels kind of dark. It is dark. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't feel kind of dark. It is dark. It's dark. (laughs) When kids are transitioning from believing to not believing and how we help them bridge that gap. When they come to us and say, you know, Santa's not real, then you talk to them about what it represents. And why do you think Santa was created in the first place? Now, you might say, well, so we can get kids to behave, right? That's where we don't want to go. But because Santa was a, a big source of light and giving and surprise and fun and excitement and connection. Lightness in that very general way, right? What does that mean? It's a nice thought. Fluster Clucks is a production of Lux Recess LLC, a family travel magazine and advising service. Let me book and design your family a vacation of connection and rejuvenation. So join the Facebook group so that you can ask Lynn your question on an upcoming episode. And thanks for joining us for another episode of Fluster Clucks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.